Oh god, we already messed up. Hi! How did we already mess up? Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Oh, okay. uh, hi! Uh, this is correct. You're not listening to your normal Media Boat podcast. But we are the people who bring you the Media Boat podcast. But this is a special beginning of a special series we're doing for March. And you know what March means. It's time to go mad, everyone. March. Mad with making lists. Yeah. And ranking and literally everything in existence. <laughs> technically, brackets. Usually, March is the time. For brackets, and if you're a longtime media boat listener, you'll know that last year we did well, almost finished a bracket. Oh, of, um, we did finish it. Disney, but if you a- want animated classics, that yeah. we almost finished. Oh no, we finished it. But that last episode is for our premium subscribers. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to be a sure. premium subscriber, yes. go ahead and pay us money <laughs> yes. via Patreon. Uh, but this year we decided to do something a little different. Last year we were kind of tossing the idea around of. Since we did the Disney canon last year, we would try our hand at the Pixar canon. But uh, for the sake of ironing out some of the difficulties we had with last year's setup, um, specifically the use of outside forces that could control the outcome, uh, we decided to change what we're doing a little bit, and instead of a bracket, we're doing a list. We are, by the end of this four weeks of March, going to determine what the greatest Pixar movie is. Of all time. And in order to do that, we will have a ranked list of all 19 That's right. Pixar movies. That's right. There are 19 films. Yes. Go ahead. Name all 19. We no, no, not you. did but just earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did earlier. We struggled. Uh, yes. At least I struggled chronologically. Yes. Um, but you did good. I mean, there's only one that you missed. There's only one I missed after some, some thinking. Yes. Uh, and but I would have gotten it if I had some more time. Yes, but, uh, also if it weren't for those meddling kids. It's true. Uh, but how we're going to do this is, since we do have four episodes to fill this with, we're kind of going to have to divide these up. Now, we're going to be doing this in kind of a debate format, but not as regimented as last year. We're basically going to take a group of movies that are chronolog- chronologically placed. So, for example... We're starting with the very first Pixar film today, Toy Story, and going through the next total of five. So there are going to be five films per episode except for the last one, which will have four due to the odd number. Um, And from those movies, we will, one by one, be judging its merits. And we will determine where on the grand list of 19 that that film belongs. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, let's pause it for a second. Does movie X Time out. Yeah, does movie X belong at the begin at the near the top of this list? Near the middle of this list? Or near the bottom of this list? We're kinda of dividing this up into the top five, middle five, bottom middle five, and then just the other crap that they produce. So yeah, we and what this will eventually do is by the time we get to our last episode here, this should put these movies in a rough list. And then at the very, very end we'll go and clean it up. Yes. So, we're going to begin with the chronological order, with the top five, well, not the top five, but the first five Pixar movies going way back to 1995. So, this is the period of 1995 to 2003. Yes. Of Pixar's releases. So, this is when uh, they were new on the scene. Uh, Technology for these kinds of movies was being developed and refined. And this is where they were trying to find their, their legs, you could say. Right, this is also the, the period of when a lot of experimental was done, not only with technology, mm-hmm. but also with would 
an audience, a general movie-going audience, accept non-hand-drawn animation as right. an animated feature. So, the movies today on the docket are, first, 1995's Toy Story, 1998's A Bug's Life, two th- or 1999's Toy Story 2, Yes. 2001's Monsters, Inc., mm-hmm. and 2003's Finding Nemo. Correct. They didn't. They weren't to the point where they were doing a movie a year quite yet. It took a little longer for these things to gestate. Yep. And I think they were on an other year uh, schedule with the Disney Animation proper at the time, and every other year thing. Yeah. I think that's what it was, except for '95. I think that that was both Toy Story and Pocahontas that Christmas, which was weird. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so that is actually a perfect segue. Into talking, talk, talking, into talking about our first movie, which is, of course, the one that started it all, Toy Story. Yes. So the one that everyone knows. So I mean, I mean, how, where do we even start with this? Of course, uh, if you guys know anything about the history of Pixar, the company kind of started out as like with a- television animation. Even before that, they started. Uh, they started with uh, Lucas Films uh, yes. as Lucas Films graphics department. Yes, and if you want a really in depth story mm-hmm. about Pixar, definitely check out the documentary A Pixar Story. Yes, that or is the book that that documentary is based on, which is sitting on my shelf right there. Yep. Um, there's a bunch of fascinating resources out there to know the Pixar thing. Even the Wikipedia article is pretty right. informative. Yeah. But, how, like how Steve Jobs is involved with yes, everything? Yes. Steve Jobs was the de facto owner of the company for a very long time due yeah. to him being a major investor. Major investor. Major investor. <laughs> um, but really all you need to know here is that Toy Story was kind of the culmination of their dream. Uh, these animators... Yeah, they liked doing the commercial work. Yeah, they do like doing effects work. But what they wanted to do more than anything else was to make a feature film, mm-hmm. which at the time was unheard of. Right, a fully computer, computer animated, animated feature film. film. As you said, there were some there was some trepidation in both the studio and in the general public, general public, uh, about whether or not people would care about computer-generated characters on a movie screen. It was one thing to have hand-drawn animation because people have been seeing that for generations. Mm-hmm. But CG was something else. Nobody knew whether they were going. To, it was going to be believable, whether it was going to work. And then came Toy Story. Right. And the really fascinating thing about Toy Story is, uh, I, I find, like, personally, yeah. is that because, because Pixar knew that animation wasn't up to the point of well, we can make all these people look realistic. That that at the time everything still had quite a glossy feel. Mm-hmm. That they purposely went for a toy uh, plastic like feel in order to compensate for it without yes. having it being like a, a big eyesore. A lot of this was based on their work on the short tin toy, which was years before. Right. Where they kind of refined that like story about toys kind of theme that went into directly mm-hmm. into Toy Stories. Uh, planning. Uh, but yeah, to kind of wrap up the, the pre-release yes. stuff, I just want to mention one last thing, that this movie um, a lot, set a precedent for Pixar movies to follow, which was massive rewrites. This is a studio that is not oh, yes. afraid to completely take what they're writing about with a, a, a for a film and toss it out the window and rewrite it. And we'll definitely get into that with yes. a different movie on oh, this yes. film. More than one, on this list. actually. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
No, no, just a different movie, like, that, <laughs> yeah. in this, on this episode. That's true. But it becomes a recurring theme for them. Uh, but yes. this one in specific, uh, it went through several revisions. Uh, Disney's CEO at the time, Michael Eisner, and uh, the head of the animation studio, Jeff Katzenberger, Katzenberg, who's now over at... Uh, DreamWorks. DreamWorks. Well, no, now he's on his own thing. Uh, kind of. He's yeah. still kind of on the board. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, they were concerned that the story uh, that they initially pitched for Toy Story wasn't going to work. They had uh, Woody was kind of a mean jerk. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the there wasn't really an arc for him. Um, and so they had to rewrite several times. They brought in pinch hitter Joss Whedon before he was famous uh, yep. to help with uh, some script uh, uh, work there and uh, created the movie that we know uh, now as a, a modern classic, you could say. Right. So uh, first we want to talk about, because uh, there's a lot to talk about this movie, uh, because... There's the movie, which of course is this story about toys, toys. and their relationship with each other and the relationship with their owner, um, and it's also but it's also the story of Pixar in a nutshell because right. this is them basically creating the, I guess you could call it genre of film that they would be doing until now. Well, there's also a third tier, and mm-hmm. that is the Pixar Easter eggs that this thing starts. Yes. yes. And just the general nostalgia that people get for Pixar whenever you That's mention true. it. So uh, first, do you want to? I think we should talk just, about story. We have to yes because let's talk about the movie. We have to talk about the movie itself because yeah, this is essentially what is the movie. And as we go on, it's going to be uh, mostly story discussion because as we go on, it's less about oh wow, w- look at what they're doing, and more about what is the story they're telling. Right. But Toy Story is the beginning of that. It's the it was Pixar proving. That they could sell a movie in computer graphics on its story. Okay, I think I think we need to table like just the fact that it was the first computer yeah. graphics and get into just yeah. having that's, it be an animated story. That's what I was getting into. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. what I was literally just saying. It's right. like, yeah, this kind of let's talk about the, the movie as it is. So, what do you? Now, now it's also interesting. We should probably establish now the rule about. Are we talking about the movies as they are now? Like, if they if you watched it today, how would this make you feel? Because, obviously, we were children when this came out. Right. It would be a very different reaction we would have had when we were five. I'm leaning towards today. Like, we should rank this list based on... I think you does have Does it hold up? I think you have to, because yeah. we're comparing it to, against modern movies... Uh, I mean, modern Pixar films. So it has to be all... You have to have a fine point to start, and so that would be... Well, we're starting in 1995, but you have to compare it against (laughs) everything else that has come after it. So how do you feel about the story and Toy Story? Do you think it holds up? What are your feels? Um, It's definitely an interesting story uh, because it's about toys. Yeah. You know, it's it's a simple concept of, you know, toys come to life when the owner's not looking. Right. Uh, But then it gets into a really weird territory when it... Involves Sid's room. Oh yeah, where he's um, creating toys as basically a child screaming help, and then is blowing up toys. But he doesn't know they're sentient, so he's not really doing anything wrong. Yeah, until you know they scare him straight. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, Toy Story just in general holds a lot of like nostalgia factor and is just like you know near dear to most people's heart. I would say. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of like. Pixar, it's definitely 
middle of the road. It's a safe bet. Which is ironic to say now. Yes. And that's only because of how how much better they got at storytelling over time. Right. Um, I'm a, I think that it's, a, it's an interesting kind of uh, movie because looking back on it, because of the issues that they had developing that story, you can see that there are like three different movies going on. Mm-hmm. And there's cool things about that and there are not so cool things about that. I think the cool thing about it is that it essentially turns into a buddy film at some point. Right. It's very much uh, these, these diametrically opposed forces, Woody and Buzz Lightyear, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, basically learning to be friends, learning to accept each other's differences, learning that they need each other to survive. Well, then you also have the story of Buzz Lightyear realizing that he is a toy. Yeah. And then you have the whole moving aspect, too. Right. Wait, so so, it's so like, there's a lot of stuff going on in this film. And that's cool in a way because it's like, oh, it's trying all these different things. And it nails most of it. Yeah. Um, and it's still a pretty enjoyable, entertaining movie to watch. The problem is, is that it's very of its time. And mm-hmm. I mean that in two ways. I mean it as... The buddy film and the kind of archetypes that they were going for at the time were very 1990s filmmaking. We're talking about like Lethal Weapon here kind of movies. It was very 1990s filmmaking kind of coming off of the 80s, which were full of those buddy films. Mm -hmm. Buddy cop movies, like you said, like Lethal Weapon and stuff. Yeah, Turner and Hood. Yeah, it's like Tom Hanks, speaking of Tom Hanks. And so it makes sense then, but... But it's also a piece of its time as because of, like I said, how much better Pixar got at this as they went on. Right. This was definitely their first try. And even though at the time it was revolutionary for them to even make a story that elaborate mm-hmm. and that um, expanded between audiences for, that kids could enjoy it and adults right. could enjoy it. But now it doesn't quite flow as much as I'd want it to. And especially not as much as sequels do. Yes. I think that if Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3 did not exist, I think we'd be speaking a lot high, a lot more highly of Toy Story 1. But because you have these direct comparisons where these characters... Continue on a journey and Are in better grow. movies. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. So I think that, yeah, Age hasn't treated the story of Toy Story as well as it has the story of about Toy Story. And, okay, I'm going to bring up one point that I, we're going to get to in several other films. Yeah. But one thing that Toy Story is lacking is the Pixar emotional gut punch. Right. It tries. It, it tr- really, really tries. Yes. A few times. It wants you to really care about the plight of Woody, especially in the, the uh, kind of early in the film where Buzz is introduced and you have the uh, strange things are happening montage. Right. Uh, Thank you, Randy, Randy Newman. Newman music, which is supposed to be like, ah, oh, you're supposed to feel for 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 Woody there. You're supposed to feel like, oh man, he's losing this relationship mm-hmm. with his with his with uh, his best friend. His best friend. Yeah, you're right. And uh, it tries that there, and then kind of near the end with Buzz Lightyear losing his arm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The the the, the no but flying no more sequence yes. where he tries to jump off the stairs. I think that actually works. I yeah. think I think that maybe that's the moment. It's just that they got so much better at doing those moments yeah. that it seems really weak in comparison. Right. But yeah, there's definitely those uh, early hints that these guys know how to pull on heartstrings. But they just weren't quite as good as it yet. Right. 
Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it, it lacks a lot of that, a lot of the resonance that they would be really better at later. Um, I think also it's um, the most, for lack of a better comparison, the most DreamWorks scene of all the of all their Pixar movies because it is the most like we're gonna reference other things. Before they became they became kind of the self referential referential studio. Yeah. Toy Story has the problem of we have nothing else to reference, so we're, we have to reference like pop culture mm-hmm. and doesn't quite happen after that as much as it does in Toy Story 1 yeah well cause you know you need a base and Toy yeah. Story is the base you had and to start somewhere right which means we have to start somewhere and we have to put yeah. this on our list that being said one real quick thing to say though you have to start somewhere but still considering that they started with Toy Story is still an amazing accomplishment yeah, um, 95 on Metacritic. Yeah. 373 million worldwide on its upon its release. It made Moolah, which again would be a recurring theme for Pixar. Right. It also was, went on to win the 1995 Special Achievement Award for the first feature-length computer right. animated film. It has an Oscar, everybody. Yes. So uh, Even though it's a special achievement, it still, still counts. It still counts. Still counts. It so, was in the ceremony, so it counts. So we have to put this on our list. Okay, so I think that... Uh, it would be really easy to let the nostalgia take over here and float it near the top. And it would also be really easy to just place it at the bottom because it has an age as well as the others. I think we're looking more in the middle. The question is, is, is what it, middle? Is it top middle or bottom middle? See, I'm going to put it at 9 because... 9 of 19? Yeah, because I, I feel that's right in the middle. Yeah. Uh, my worry is is that there are so there's so many stories that are better than this one that nine might be too high. Well, see, I'm exp- that's why you're saying it that is you're saying the Toy Story story is better told or Toy Story sorry Toy Story is a better movie than and ten other Pixar movies is what you're saying. Do you know if that's true? One, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> so if we're going by that, maybe, yeah, it should probably be a little bit lower. So well, We don't need to, I think we don't need well, a no, specific no. number here. Yeah. We just need a zone. Okay. And then you can kind of put it wherever. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I think the number is throwing us off. Okay. Uh, I think, I think lower middle. Okay, yeah, so it's, it's in the lower tier, but it's, but it's not utter crap. It's not the worst <laughs> thing they've ever done. Right. Uh, there are worse than the Pixar canon, and but we'll I fully there. reserve the right to move it later just in case it actually is. All right, I'm going to put it down there at unlucky number 13 for now. That works, that works fine. But like I said, I do not want to crap on Toy Story. I think it is still an entertaining, fun movie to watch. It has a yes. lot of great... Great, great, great scenes that started the ball rolling. I mean, you wouldn't have Pixar if it wasn't for right. the freaking little green man alien guys. They're adorable. They're amazing. The the I mean, set up the sequels, which are great, which we'll get to. Right. Um, and yeah, I think there's a lot to love there. It's just we, it, we're in the unfortunate situation of having to c- compare it to its brethren. Right. That just all happened to be better. Mostly. Well, well yeah. <laughs> Mostly. Well. Okay. All right. So let's uh, let's jump a couple years here. We uh, jump three years into the future to a bug's life. 
So, just real quick, since I did a little bit of background on Toy Story, a little bit of background on Bugs Life real quick. Uh, they focused on uh, technology here. Yep. Uh, they spent a whole lot of money on making the outdoor nature look as realistic as possible. There was a lot of lighting done in this yes. film. Lighting uh, engine uh, mm-hmm. was a focus. Uh, also, of course, infamously released alongside the DreamWorks inaugural CG movie, which was called Ants, which also featured Ants, Ants. Uh, and uh, was uh, still to this day is debated about uh, who leaked what idea when. Right. Uh, Well, you know, studios always just put two movies at the same time, especially uh, around this time of year, around 1998, because you had both uh, Contact and Armageddon. (laughs) Yeah, it happened a lot in the late (laughs) 90s. Right. Uh, and then even like a couple years, like from from the from today, a couple of years yeah. later, with White House Down and whatever the other one was, uh, Olympus has fallen. Yeah, but yeah. either way, it was quite a uh, quite a thing for Pixar to do as literally their second movie. Disney, of course, wanted them to do a sequel to Toy Story. They basically agreed that it would be a direct to video sequel that would change later, um, mm-hmm. but at the time. It basically talked them into supporting the release of a hugely ambitious follow-up in the form of A Bug's Life. But does the movie hold up? And is it as good? Well, one of the big technological achievements of A Bug's Life was the number of characters uh, uh, available on screen. Yeah. Because before it used to be only a maximum of eight characters. Uh, they were able to jump that up to 256 characters on screen, yeah. which is huge. Uh, it's also also just happened to be the number of ants, you know, because yeah. they're all small, and, you know, ants are big in numbers. So it's definitely a good call in making this. Yeah. Uh, you know, partly technological achievement, part, partly about ants. Because in this case, the technology does, uh, does uh, coexist with plot in pretty important ways. Right. You can't have this... One of the cool things about Pixar and some of the books and documentaries go into this is that the story team and the animators basically keep each other challenged. They challenge each other. The story people come up with something ridiculous that the animators are like, huh, we can't do that. And they're like, well, you better. That's the story. And then that create, then that leads them to create yeah. better technology to basically feed back into the, 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 the animation or to the, the writers to make them be more imaginative. Yep. And it's just a loop. Creativity begets innovation. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the technology and kind of the, 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 and the writing goes hand in hand. I think Bugs Life is a great example of that. But they just get better at it as it goes on. Right. And we're actually going to cap it with probably their greatest technological achievement. <laughs> yeah, but we'll get there. But we'll get there. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, at the time, though, man, did this movie look good. Yes. And it was something completely different than Toy Story. Right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, how do you feel about the story in A Bug's Life? So, I liked the story of Bug's Life when it first came out. <laughs> it's a hero's it's journey. Qualifier. It's a hero's journey. It's very much the hero's journey. Yes, uh, you know, a, a simple inventor goes out to try and defend his colony, comes back with a lie, and yeah. must perpetuate said lie. It's a hero's journey, and it's also their first ensemble piece. Right. Which is interesting. 
Yes, you could argue Toy Story is an ensemble, but really, it's a buddy. Half the movie does not involve the ensemble. At least the B, the A plot doesn't. Yeah, the B plot's about the ensemble. This very much the A plot is about the ensemble and your lead trying to figure stuff out, and the B plot is back at home, mm-hmm. trying them trying to figure out their dilemma. Uh, so, like, do you think it holds up though? Like that's the question. You you that's... use that qualifier about at the time. Yeah. Um... Like I said, at the time, because, you know, a, like I said with Toy Story, a big part of what Pixar has become is that emotional gut punch. And trying to think of one for, for your bug's life just <laughs> is, is like trying to pull hairs, split hairs here. Yeah, it's not that kind of movie. Yep. It's, it's almost more formulaic. And it's very much more of a family film than it is. It, well, yes. Yes and no. They, Looking back on that thing, it is kind of weird that it was a kid's movie. Like, having watched it fairly recently, mm-hmm. I had that moment was like, man, they still hadn't gotten out of that 90s kind of cinema, like, the, like uh, mentality, which was kind of like, a little edgier than the stuff that they would get into later. You compare that to frickin' Finding Nemo, and Finding Nemo looks as G-rated as its rating can be. Oh, yeah. Whereas, like, this is uh, still a little... They were still playing around with some all sorts of different things. Like the poo-poo platter joke. Yep. Like... With the flies. And there's the, other the, examples. The salt with the snail. They're trying to guess the ladybug's gender at yep. some point, which does not play it anymore. Right. That scene is really awkward now. Yep. Um, it's it, it, There's some weird stuff in this movie. And that's, I think, my takeaway is, man, this weird. This movie is weird. Twenty years later. Oh, comparing it now, yes, this yeah. movie would would come into theaters and be like, ah, was that supposed to be towards me? That being said, it has some of the coolest action sequences that Pixar has ever made. Yes, the stuff with the bird towards the middle of the film. Right. The uh, just the the look of uh, flick kind of. Gliding across the valley mm-hmm. is still a cool effect. The stuff with the rain falling on them. Like, again, it's the technology working with the, the writing to mm-hmm. make these amazing set pieces. Yep. And that stuff still holds up. It's an like it it's 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 a really good action. It's like the, the closest that they've well, maybe the second closest that they've aired towards an action film. Well, plus casting Kevin Spacey as the villain is just perfect. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. Now, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the other thing. It was their. Uh, this was a big, uh, big cast. cast, a really big cast. I mean, you already had kind of had some celebrity voices in Toy Story. Yes, you definitely did. But this time, they used that for pretty much everybody. <laughs> yes, you had Brad Garrett, Bonnie yes. Hunt. Yes. Uh, Hayden Pantier, uh, uh, um, David Hyde Pierce. Yes, David Hyde Pierce. Um, uh, yeah, a really, really solid cast. Yeah. Uh, all the characters are memorable. That's one thing I can say about it. Yes. Is that 20 years later, I still remember the characters and can sort them out. Ask me to do that with any pick, uh, any DreamWorks movie and I wouldn't be able to. Uh, but right. but, but that's, that's the testament to the, their strength of their, that writing. Even if we don't remember the plot as, you know, as, uh, as uh, lovingly. Right. Uh, we at least know that the that we were at least endeared by the characters, and of course, the uh, amazing uh, chubby caterpillar played by the say, late Joe Ramp. I'll say I have the caterpillar yes. up there uh, uh, as part of one of my uh, pop figures. Right. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, no longer with us. But yes. uh, but yeah, a memorable character. 
Yeah, I mean, they were, they were all bugs, so they all had different shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I mean, even the ants were specifically colored and shaded differently, so you could distinguish between them. Yeah, uh, which is something ants did not do. No. It was really confusing for it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think ultimately it's a movie with a lot of strengths, but, and I think they did learn some lessons from Toy Story. It's a little more, uh, it is, I think it's a more formulaic on purpose almost. Right. I think it, it, its formula kind of voids the story tracks that I think they got into in the planning stages of Toy Story. Mm-hmm. And what's a result is kind of, yes, it's a more, it's a more predictable movie, but also it's a more consistent movie. So it has that going for it. But yeah, it's, it's everything on the fringes that makes it a little, a little weird now. Yeah, and then of course you have to. We have to compare this toy from. We compare it to every other Pixar film that would yeah. come after it. And, and unfortunately, yeah. as much as we can praise everything that they've done for Bud's Life, they've done so much it doesn't better compete. stuff. Yes, the reality here is that it can't compete uh, in the top tier here. No. Uh, so I think this probably, in my opinion, goes probably right next to Toy Story. Really? I think chronologically and on this list, I think it should. I don't think it's that much worse than Toy Story, but at the same time, I don't think it's that much better. Well, see, looking, looking over everything that they've done, uh, Pixar has done, I think this that this belongs with one of the four absolute bottom movies. Really? You think this is a bottom movie? Well, no. I just think that every other film is just better than it. Oops. I don't know if that's Except fair. for maybe three. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we can make that determination later when we get to those three. Yes. Um, and I don't even think we agree on those three. Oh, no, we don't agree on one. We're going to fight on one of them, I know. Yeah. One of them I, that I like a lot that nobody else does. Right. Uh, but, yeah, like, I think it's not as bad as, like, again, having watched it recently, yeah, it doesn't hold up. You're right. It's not as great as the stuff they would do later. But is it worse than Toy Story? Not by a lot. If I'm comparing the two so far, they're pretty equal in my mind. Well, they also were the first two, so... They were learning the same things and making the same mistakes in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Learning very slowly from them. And I think that the the fixes that they did make it a better movie story-wise. Maybe it is higher than Toy Story, but not by a whole lot. Okay, so if we uh, so let's put it at fourteen then. Yeah, we can settle by just putting it in the same tier. Yeah, we don't have to necessarily rank it in within that tier. But yeah, I don't want to necessarily put it at the bottom quite yet. Uh, I I'll, think we I'll should put it be, near the bottom. I think we should be confident about its bottom worthiness. Yes. Before we put something in the bottom. Okay. Same thing as the top. All we right. have to be confident in that it is a top movie. All right. Well, middle which, weird ones like this, I think we need to stay keep in the middle for now. Which, speaking of a top tier movie, we move on to the next one. Yes, we do. Uh, so we jump one year into 1999, and we all get our first sequel. We get our first sequel, which was like I like I said briefly earlier, almost didn't happen. Disney oh, no. wanted the sequel to Toy Story to be a direct-to-video release. Um, Pixar argued that it should be part of their. Uh, film deal they made which was seven I believe uh, theatrically released films mm-hmm. and so they argued them to make it a feature length and when it did they upped the budget they upped the story they they made it a full-fledged movie 
and basically made the movie that Toy Story 1 wished it had been. Yes. And it was probably their first first great movie, I would say. I think Toy Story 2 is Pixar's first great movie. I will gladly agree with you with yes. that. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this one is kind of interesting because it has the benefit Kind of, you know, like talk about superhero movies is always, oh, the one with the origin always kind of drags and it's always the next one that's the cool one because it lets the superhero fly. Except for Thor the Dark World. Except for Thor the Dark World. (laughs) But this is kind of that, where it's like we already have established these characters. We don't need to learn their personalities. We go in knowing who Woody is, who Buzz is. And I think the movie and its other sequel works so well as it does because we know the characters intimately by that point and we just watch them be. Right. Because the, the Toy Story 2 starts with a Buzz Lightyear yeah. video game. Yes, which is great. <laughs> it is, so it's it's referencing itself yep. several times during this movie. It is the, I, the first time Pixar gets really self-referential mm-hmm. with the, that stuff, the video game stuff, and then later... The tour guide Barbie pointing out the uh, uh, sales of the Buzz Lightyear uh, toys selling out and right. having to be uh, replenished later, uh, which is a real thing that happened to Toy Story toys because nobody knew how popular they were going to yep. be. Um, uh, yeah, that movie, the fact that we're already jumping into like bits shows how great that movie is. Right. Like, there are so many memorable parts that this one we don't need to just sit there and be like, oh, well, the story is. We just talk about, remember this part and how great it is? Yeah. Which is already the kind of the, the thing. So, so overall, how do you feel about it? Overall, it's a solid story, especially yeah. what they created, especially what it could have been. Because they reworked the story literally in one week. Yeah. <laughs> which is very fascinating. Uh, it doesn't John, feel like it. No. But John Lasseter came in because they are having story troubles because originally... It's supposed to be uh, Buzz Lightyear was defective and goes yeah. to Taiwan. Yes. And the toys have to go get him back. Yeah. Uh, which turned, somehow turned into making the story about Woody instead of Buzz. Yeah, one of the which smart... is smart. Yeah, one of the smart things they do here is that, as we kind of mentioned in Toy Story, the A plot is kind of Buzz and Woody having an adventure, and the B plot is everybody at home. Mm-hmm. The cool thing that they do here is that they give the other toys a thing to do at the same time. They actually go along on the adventure. They go along on a different adventure that ties into the main adventure. Mm-hmm. You have your plots mixing in a lot of cool ways. You have Woody learning, uh, having an arc, finally. Right. Woody doesn't really have that much of an arc in the first one. It's basically he gets over hating Buzz, which is fine. This time, he has a really interesting arc where he has to de- basically determine whether... Between one family and another. Yeah. He bas- basically, his birth family and his adopted family, he basically finds out that he's part of this other thing and needs to eventually decide whether he wants to be part of this exciting newness or go back to where he his family is, essentially. And that also ties into this really great, like, overarching metaphysical plot of toys having a need to be played yes. versus putting them on display. Which is and so much better than Toy Story 1's... I mean, 1's. literally on display. Yes, <laughs> which is so much better than Toy Story 1's metaphor about that kind of thing. It really punches that, where it's like, it's like it's less about, oh, kid toys make kids happy. It's more about, no, it's a symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. It's no longer about we are subservient to the, the owner. It's more like, 
no, we and the owner are friends and we do this for the owner and the owner does this for us. We cease to exist if we don't get played with, which is a theme that then will go into Toy Story 3 as well. And that theme is also going to us, I, I would say, the first Pixar gut punch. Oh, yes. Definitely. In Jesse's song. song. Freaking, uh, so you have... When She Loved Me. You have... Which uh, was actually Oscar nominated. Yes. Uh, jo- what's her name? Joan Bayet. Uh, no. Shoot. Yes. Uh, Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack. Uh, whose character, Jesse, is kind of like the sister figure for Woody. And then it's her story about how like her, her uh, owner abandoned her. Basically, you know, what? how kids do is grow up. Yeah. And they stop playing with their old toys. And it is definitely the first time I cried at a Pixar oh, movie. Oh, we, yes, all we all did. We all did that thing. Put that Still clip, do. Put that yes. clip on YouTube and you will cry, cry your eyes. I'm starting to well up right now just yes. thinking about it. It is amazingly well done. And that's the thing about this movie, whereas if you go back to watch about Toy Story, watch Toy Story 1, you'll think about how old it is. For some reason, even though it was only four years later and not much time has passed, mm-hmm. That movie, Toy Story 2, is so good, yep. you don't think about the technology. Mm. You don't. No. And it's it's so weird to me. So, but yeah. Anyways, it's like, it's a really, really, really poignant movie with a lot of really good, uh, like, we haven't even gone to, like, the great set pieces in this thing. Like, the whole bit in the Toy Store, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. You have uh, the su- super serious buzz. That they meet that the that replaces the actual buzz. Yes, um, you have um, the stuff at the end when the at the airport. That airport like, scene the, is the really plane cool. sequence is really cool, and it's just and the new characters that they introduce like Jesse and Bullseye the horse and the dog Buster and Wheezy the penguin. Yes, Wheezy the penguin. And just yeah, it's 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 just got so much just chock full. And now we have the hard part about ranking this. And, uh, and just one thing, quick thing about Toy Story 2. Yeah. It did something that no other Pixar film did. And I think has to... No, sorry. I think Bugs Life did it at the yeah. very end. But since then, no one has done... I think maybe, maybe Monster Inc. did it. Yes. I think it did. They did. did the blooper reel. The blooper reel. Yes, the blooper reel existed for three Pixar movies. And that was it. I think. And then it was immediately retired. Yes. When they probably just didn't want to... Do them anymore. Yep. It's a very, it's kind of, which makes sense because it's kind of an artifact of the 90s again. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not really a trend people do anymore. Yeah. For a reason. But it was uh, fun. But yeah, it was fun at the time. Yeah. It was a little silly little thing to have during the credits. Right. Uh, but ultimately, this movie will be remembered for its, for its emotional, uh, uh, like, the, the, the way, that, yeah, the way it pulls on your emotions and just, this was Pixar figuring out the thing that they were going to be the best at. Also, they raised the stakes when it comes to yes, storytelling in this thing. They do. Uh, they make everything, every single set piece counts more. There's a ticking clock. There's a um, great airplane, like I said, airport scene. There's a chase. Yeah. There's a rush to the finish line. Also, no, it's important to know here, this is your first believable humans. Oh, yeah. I'm not counting the humans in Toy Story 1 because they are ugly <laughs> and terrible Yes, but Wayne Knight here. looks. Wayne Knight oh. looks believable. Wayne Knight looks. Yeah, he looks good. Yeah. Like, and yeah, they did a good enough job where you no longer were like, ugh, from the humans, mm-hmm. which they would get really good at in uh, just a handful of movies here. But, uh, but yeah, well, now I think yeah, the hard part here 
So where do we put it? Because as much as we like to talk about this, this is definitely a top tier film. Yeah. It's just that, you know, they would eventually get better at this type of thing. So basically we have to determine... (laughs) (laughs) It's great. But do we put it in the top five? I think it misses the top five cut because I can... Because when I... Like, when people ask me my top five... Right, it's not on it. It's not on the list. Even though it has so many good pieces, and it's definitely enjoyable to watch, and I can put it on right now and sit back and comment about it and just just gush on it. 100%. There's just... They've done so much better. So in that case, let's put it in the top middle. Oh, yes. But it'll probably prove pretty high. I would like it to prove pretty yeah. high. I just think that it Bump. may continue to be bumped. We'll down. cross that bridge when we come. To oh yes, it. we cannot because the next two are probably going to be in the same kind of conversation. So. Uh yes, but we're gonna have to debate them. Yeah, we have to. Yes. Which brings us to moving up a few years to two thousand one. Yes. Monsters Incorporated, or Monsters Inc., mm-hmm. as it's shortened to. Uh, there isn't much of a backstory here. Uh, this was kind of their first, like, let's give a new director a try. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the second time. I think, uh, Andrew Stanton did Bugs Life. Uh, but yeah, this was kind of letting, a, letting some other creatives get control of, uh, of a major Pixar release. This was another technology showpiece. You had a lot of, uh, a lot of tech go into fur. fur. Make fur happen. Um, but, and also, this is their first comedy and i say that carefully because yes obviously there are funny moments in the first three movies we talked about but none have gotten gone so in the comedy direction at this point until monster Day. well you know it happens because you hire two great comedians yes, to star in your lead hire john goodman and uh, billy crystal, crystal to be funny yes and they are funny in this movie and they work well together they bounce each other off so nicely yeah. it's a it was a fresh breath of air yeah, I mean, the, the Monsters, Inc. is an interesting one to think about, at the, especially in comparison to Toy Story 2, because not only were they on a roll at this point, narratively, but this is them flexing their comedy muscles at the same time as their emotional muscles. This one has the emotional stuff in it without getting away from having this to be a really fun story in a different way that Toy Story did. Which is, which is interesting you bring that up because yeah. it's exactly what... America needed when this film premiered. Yes. Because this premiered... October 2001. No, November. November. Well, November 2nd. Okay. So, yeah. November 2nd, 2001. Yeah. Just over a month after 9-11. And it is interesting... uh, That kind of makes the the theme of the movie more interesting in retrospect because the whole theme of the movie is, well, instead of... Like, ultimately, what what the monsters discover... Is that instead of being scary, instead of scares, we should just make each other laugh. Yeah. That's the ultimate lesson that's learned. Right. Is that, is that monsters aren't necessarily scary, and they don't have to be scary. Yeah. They don't have to be. Uh, I mean, that's one of many themes. Yeah. You also have the stuff with, of course, the adorable child. And, Ooh. yes, and adoption, and, you know, yeah. learning to let go of something you love. Right. Uh, but then, you know, there's also the... Understanding the unfamiliar. Right. And this all takes place within a corporate setting with corporate yeah. structure. But, of course, the ultimate theme here 
Is the doorway scene. No, it's friendship. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> because really, when you get down to the nitty-gritty, the movie is about the friendship between Mike and Sully. Mike Wazowski and Sully, who is the big furry guy. Yes, Sully Sullenberg. Are initially kind of at each other's throats. They're friends, you can tell, but they are easily rivals because well, of the way that he is such a great scarer and Mike struggles with it. Well, you know, well, well they live together, and yeah. in their workplace, they have a tandem... A partnership. Yeah. They are partners, but... But you can clearly tell one is the alpha yes. and one is the beta. And so there's a struggle there. And, yeah. and it does come to a head um, towards the towards the end of Act 2. And they literally get thrown into the Himalayas <laughs> because of them arguing and having this spat and fighting amongst each other. And the, the complications that arise because of Sully's involvement with this human girl. Mm-hmm. Um... This is interesting because there's a lot going on in this movie, a lot more going on in this movie than in Toy Story 2, yeah. uh, which means it is a little bit more complicated. It almost kind of reminds me of some of the narrative problems that Toy Story 1 has, where it's like there's a, maybe one too many things that this movie is trying to do. It definitely does a lot, and yeah. it's not necessarily better for it. Mm-hmm. But it also doesn't necessarily detract from the story it's trying to tell. But unlike A Bug's Life, though, it holds up yeah. really well. It's still a really funny movie and a fun movie. And it's got enough of those like set-piece moments. Like you said, with the doors, that whole s- s- scene is amazing. Yes. Still. Because yes, it comes out of nowhere. It's a surprise. You go through a, a dark tunnel to come out and see... Literally millions of doors, well, I guess thousands at the time, thousands yeah. of doors, and they're all each individually animated, and conveyor belts running, yeah. and they all lead anywhere. It's just... Which is another cool thing that, that, I'm glad you brought that up, because another cool thing to consider here, this is the first Pixar movie that really does a deep dive into world building. Yeah. Like, with Toy Story, you have the kind of the framework, oh, toys have this other world, mm-hmm. but really, that's, it's not really that much beyond our human world. This is the first of many Pixar movies to basically say, no, here's this entire dimension where all these sorts of things are possible. We're going to break down the why. We're going to break down the how. We're going to make you wonder, like, oh, how does all this work? How does their world function, and how does it interact with our world? And it's a very, it's very prescient, and it'll be, like, uh, the subject of many Pixar movies to follow, including stuff as recent as Coco. We do the same thing. Here is this alternative world that's happening underneath our world or besides our world where all this other stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that the world building is the coolest part and I think the, the most important part that this movie does. Um, which I think that maybe uh, makes up for some of the, 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 uh, the, the weaker parts of its story. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, like we have to do is compare this to all Pixar yeah. films and does it do that better than some of the later ones? Well, let's just one of this, this this movie actually kind of falls in with the Toy Story because there's a sequel that we can directly compare this to. And I almost wish there wasn't because I mean we'll talk about Monsters University when we talk about Monsters University, right? But real briefly, it's kind of unfortunate that it is now forever attached to a lesser movie. Yes, it's a lesser movie. I will say that now. We can't, we can't, we cannot determinedly say that yet. <laughs> I'm saying it now. <laughs> it's a lesser movie, and so it kind of sucks in my brain that it is kind of 
has this baggage uh, attached to it now because I think it works really well as a standalone thing. Uh, but you do have to, since we're doing this as if we're watching it today, mm-hmm. we do have to consider it does have a sequel. It, well, a prequel. That is, yeah, a prequel that is part of its universe that does say some certain things. It does... Well, we'll talk about that movie when we get to it. Yeah. But anyways... But right now we're talking about Monsters, Inc. Well, long story short, I think that uh, it has some baggage. Compared to... Especially compared to Toy Story 2. But is it a better movie? And does it hold up better than Toy Story 1 and Bugs Life? 100% yes. Well, yes. I think it definitely does. It's definitely a more enjoy- enjoyable film. Mm-hmm. There's a lot... Better crafted set pieces and a lot more memorable moments, like you said. Yes. Mike Wazowski, and people automatically know what you're talking and about. Yeah, and the stuff with Boo is amazingly adorable and does get that emotional gut punch mm-hmm. uh, towards the end there. Yes. You do get that moment with with uh, that very end with, uh, with Sully and checking back in yeah. into the bedroom of Boo that is just, ugh, ugh, right here. Right here. You're, you're, sorry, but your your heart's down here. I, I, that was my gut. I know. That was my gut. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, and so it does so many things super, super well, but... And the, I don't know I, I don't sound ranks. like a, bad, a broken record with just praising it and then going, but... Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks because we do have to compare everything here. Yes. And yeah, I think ultimately it probably belongs in that upper uh, middle tier with, uh, with uh, Toy Story 2. I but lower. I don't think it's above Toy Story two. I would no. put it below it. You're correct, but I actually, uh, but I also don't want to put it too low. So uh-huh. yeah, I think it's. I think it holds up enough, and I think that yeah, it's it's still it's still good. It's still a fun movie to watch. It belongs in that upper tier. Yeah, I think there may be a film that goes in between those two. Well, one hundred percent there will be. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's definitely. In the it's definitely way. yeah. It's in the upper tier. But it's not top five. Yeah. Because the fall, the next movie we're going to get into... Oh, boy. Uh, is... I'm going to say it up front right now. Definitely Contender. Okay, so we move from 2001 to 2003 with uh, the first summer-released Pixar movie. And Correct. Boy, was it perfect yes. to be released in the summer. Because this is, of course, Finding Nemo. Yes. Finding movie Nemo. movie about the ocean. The second surefire classic, I think, that is on this list for sure. After Toy Story 2, I think this is... This, when this came out, people were saying was the best thing that Pixar ever did. Yes. In fact, you will see a lot of people still say that this is the best thing they've ever did. My girlfriend know, says it's the best thing they ever I don't did. Know if I but she's also biased that, because yeah. she loves the water. Yeah, right, yes. But, but the reason why is because this is a master class of Pixar movie like design it's beautiful looking the story is great it's funny it's characters are super memorable and it's set pieces are amazing so it hits every single check mark you want from one of these movies and the gut punch and it has the emotional gut punch yes it has everything that pixar does well and this is here they're just refining the lessons that they learned from the previous movies uh, so yeah, I don't even know where to start with Finding Nemo. I mean, I'm gonna start uh, where we started with a bunch of these other films, and that is yeah. with the improvement in the animation. Oh man, yeah. Okay, this first of all, water, water. physics everywhere they in this. They figured out how to make an underwater movie look clear, and you can see what's going on. 
but also consistently murky enough to believe it's underwater. It was insane in 2003 that they got this to work, because even now, that is something that is really hard to do. Right, because not only did they have underwater scenes in the ocean, they had harbor scenes, they had scenes out in open water on top of it. At night, during the day. At night, daytime, and tank, and toilet water, it's sewers. (laughs) You forget, there's a sewer scene. It's just, yeah, it's the, there the is technical a achievement. Lot we could have do a whole other podcast series, though, about each of these movies' technical achievements, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's a whole another another day, yeah, uh, year. Uh, but 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 the cool thing about it is that it marries all of that with a story that, yeah, technically doesn't need to be set in the ocean, right. but uh, is. It's very much uh, whereas uh, Toy Story One is a buddy movie. Whereas Toy Story Two is like about your family, and about toys, and uh, uh, Monsters Inc. is about friendship. This is about a father and son. This yes. is about a father and son's relationship. It's also about learning to trust. To trust and let go. Yes. To trust someone to not mess up, to not have to be by someone's side, to let them be independent. And not only that, but to also to learn to be yourself. Yes, definitely. So and there's a lot of themes running through this film that we could just yeah. gush about this. So thing. yeah, I mean, you have the, the dynamics between the characters are amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the performances are amazing. Uh, Albert Brooks as uh, Marlon, the yes. father. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres pitch as perfect Dory. In that role. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't you know, think it actually affects it. There's a... There's a uh, I mean, you can definitely tell... Like Nemo is yeah. looks like his father, and yet you can tell because of the the, the conscious oh. decision oh, of the Finn. We haven't talked about the beginning of that movie. Oh, okay, this is also it begins the uh, Pixar tradition, which would be refined in twenty ten uh, or two thousand nine um, of killing you in the first ten minutes. Yes, like let's just open the movie by giving you something super super dark. And like super sad to set up the rest of the movie. Which is funny because uh, later on, there's a joke in The Simpsons where the mom puts on Finding Nemo yeah. and skips the first chapter right. because of the death scene. The problem with that though is you need it to set up the rest of the movie, or else it doesn't work. Right. Uh, but it's just hilarious to me that they, they they had the they had the balls to basically just open this movie ostensibly for children with a shark eating all of their children barracuda barracuda but there are but there are sharks yes in the film uh and the sharks are a great sequence too but before we get there but yeah the dynamic between uh uh the the father and son is really interesting and it's paralleled with as he said the relationship between marlon and ellen jagerus's character dory yes who was who made such an impression in this movie? She got her own movie later, and which we're we get to. gonna talk about that. See, I think that in this case, that movie is interesting, uh, an interesting parallel to this one, where I don't see it as baggage; I see it as a compliment. Uh, but we'll get to that later. Oh yes, because I adore Finding Nemo's yes. story. Of a father willing to cross the oceans. Yes. Literally. Yes. Literally oceans in order to save his son. It it has elements of the hero's journey just like Bug's Life does, Mm -hmm. but it does it so much better you don't even realize it's happening. Right. Like you don't even realize that he's done all of this until you have that line at the end where they basically, no, Marlon did all this stuff to find you. 
Right, where where the pelican's telling the son like story this is what about. the story of his father. Yeah. Which is like, whoa, he did do all that. It makes it the whole movie feel super epic and sweeping when it's only like ninety minutes long, if that. <laughs> like it's amazing how the, how well it's constructed to make you feel like you've seen so much of an adventure. Hundred minutes. Hundred minutes, even. Wow. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it. No. Like there's so much going on, uh, but it never feels like it's getting muddled. No. It's paced gently. Weirdly enough, for being 100 minutes, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it feels very, lets you enjoy uh, the ocean, just like as if you were on the waves. And it does, one, one thing that I like in, in uh, these types of journeys is that every scene moves the story forward because... Nothing's it, wasted. Right, nothing's wasted, everything moves forward. I mean, just because, you know, Father's trying to get to his son, so of course it's going to move forward, but it does it in such a sly way that you don't realize yeah. it's happening... Until they actually meet up and you realize that that you've just been on this journey the entire time. And yeah. it's enjoyable. And both characters, even though one's stuck in a tank and one's crossing the ocean, both learn and grow. Yes. And yeah, the, the, the B-plot with the, the tank, with uh, the that becomes kind of its own movie too. With yes. the, that whole ensemble. And, and uh, definitely memorable scenes like shark bait. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, and if we're talking about set pieces, yeah, you have that set piece, you have the bit with the sharks, of course. Yes. Uh, fish are friends, not food. You have the thing with the... Uh, the seagulls. Mine, mine, mine. You have the, the, the jellyfish yes. uh, race. You have the... Uh, oh, man, the, the frickin' sea turtle, the EAC. They ride the current. Yes. It's like, don't, don't, don't barf on my shell, dude. Just waxed it. Like, the, every single character in this movie is memorable, and there's so many of them. And no one it feels wasted. Even yeah. if you see them for, like, ten minutes at a time, or however long they're on screen, they make such an impression yeah. that that every, that they're, they're not wasted. That they all help on this journey. And there's so many characters, but it doesn't feel like there's so many characters, because they're all, like, they feel like family by the end of that thing. You're like, oh no! Every one of these characters is is matters in its own way. Like Will, Will, Willem Dafoe as the 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 scarred this, tank fix fish, right. I forgot his name. Um, and Gil. Gil, thank you. And yeah, uh, see, like, like I I just remember that off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah. It's just that Wolf. It's just it's just great characters, great set pieces, uh, a fun story that feels like a sweeping adventure, and just it it's there's a reason why people. Think so highly of Fighting Nemo and why it ranks so high. And yeah, we have to put it in the top. And now, yes, here comes we the hard part do. of do we have to put it we in the top? We have to put it up there. Do we have to. Because, yes, we do. Because even if we we think of it later, we just gently nudge it down, uh, which we'll get to if we need to. But I think for now, there's no way we, we can't. Like, we have to put it up there. Because I'm looking at five films that we're going to have to talk about. We're going to talk about them later, but for now I think it has to be there. For the I, time being. Okay. Because of how... just It was up until, I want to say, a few years ago. My bar none perfect Pixar movie. It was for a long time. Fighting Nemo was my number one for years. Right, and for years. We debated on yeah. what should be number one, you know, until... Until something else came along, but we'll get there later. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I think that that, that has to be our first our first uh, top tier Pixar movie easily. I'm putting it at number five for you. All right, that's fine. As long but as it's up I'm, there, 
I'm just telling you we'll up front right now. We'll get there. I'm going to fight to bump it down. We will get there. Even though I love the crap out of that movie. Because, yeah, we're going to get to the point where if we are full and want to put something somewhere, we have to move something. And that's we'll when get we start there. to kill our darlings. Yes. We'll get there. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that point. But for now, there's plenty of room in those top fives. It's all empty right now. It can stay there. And for now, that will wrap that up will the do first edition yep. of the Meatball Podcast. Pixar's Madness. Pixar Ranking Madness. Uh, so yeah, we'll be back next week for another edition where we go from 2003 all the way... Uh, uh, 2004. To, uh, yeah, we start in 2004 and move all the way down to... 2009. 2009. So the rest of the 2000s uh, next week uh, where we talk about some heavy hitters. Oh, uh, we have... <laughs> Three, four possibly heavy hitters. Four possibly heavy hitters. One, eh. uh, but we'll get there. Actually, I don't know. For me, a couple of errors. Uh, but we'll actually maybe three. I uh, but we'll get there next week. Next week will be but, no holds barred. Oh, but we'll get there. Which is weird because you know both of them were the one of the only ones directed by Brad Bird. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get and we're gonna get there. Brad Bird week. Bird yep. week is next week. Uh, All right, yes. so that'll do it for the first edition of the Pixar Madness. We'll be back with more Pixar Madness next week. See you guys. Yes. Bye. bye.